When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Zoobcast. And we are finally, once again, all three of us reunited. It's been so long. I, I missed I missed hearing Louie and Josh's voice every week, almost. But I didn't really miss it, because usually they just say bad things about me. Like, Louie, you reposted yesterday the... <laughs> you, you said... What you said was your favorite Zoobcast. One of. One of. <laughs> Yeah, but it was insinuated that it was like pretty high, like it, like one of us in like a top one or three. It's and it was definitely like, my favorite roast. Absolutely, it was. Yeah, sure. and it, it was just a clip of of Josh, just essentially saying that I'm a walking L, and then you just laughed hysterically for 15 seconds, and that's essentially the whole clip. And I'm like, well, that's great. That's just something that I really like to see the day before I'm gonna record my first Zoobcast after being away from the show for like 40 days, but. That's all right. I'm I'm glad to see you guys missed me as well. How well? How was the month without me? Did you did you crack under the pressure? Or did you put on some good some good content for the folks? Are you asking this as if you didn't listen to any of the Zoobcasts while you yes, were gone? Or? I am. I I am doing that. Wow. Precisely. Wow. I think it was awesome. I think like the last episode we had with some with of the Maud best we've ever Charlie done. Great. Yeah. Okay, Josh. Jesus, man. <laughs> I think it was is pretty solid. I mean, I'm happy that we're that that you're back, obviously, but it's just the uh, the sense hockey has deteriorated quite strongly since you've arrived back on the continent. I will say it's true. I, my dad was telling me the same thing, and I I don't think it's good for anybody that I'm that I'm here. If someone wants to fund that expense, I will go back to Europe. I'll do it. I'm okay with that. If it means bring your bike this time, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, but no, I'm back. I'm very very happy to be back. I missed. I miss doing Zoobcasts. It's fun. And now, I, and, and I've come back at a time, I can't really complain. I mean, I can complain about the Sens, which is easy to do, and that's boring. Everyone does that. But I've come back at a time of great news wealth with when it comes to the Sens, because a lot has happened in the last yeah. week and a bit or so. We're going to try to get Ever into since, all this. like, the day after we recorded with Maude and Charlie, just news yes. has just been going crazy. Yes. Because that's just how it works when you do a podcast. It never, it never lines up. Um, but I think the most prevalent bit of news stemming from other news, which we'll talk about in detail, is that Pierre Dorian is no longer with the Sens in any capacity. He has been... Well, I don't want to say he's been fired, because the terminology that was used in Michael Anlauer's yeah. press conference, which I listened to, was he resigned. And he was given the option to resign or get fired. He was given the option to resign, which... I kind of feel like it's just another word for you're fired. Like, what is the point of like, like you're you're letting the guy decide? It was a conscious if... uncoupling, as they say. <laughs> wow, Adam, that's a that's a great. You know what? I'll leave it at that. That's a great way to describe it. So, a conscious uncoupling of Pierre Dorian and the Sens, and uh, obviously with this news. So Steve Steve Sayos, who is the president of hockey operations, is the interim GM right now. Um, but a lot of reaction about. Pierre Dorian's departure, which I think we could all see coming with the news that had hit and just the way that the team had started the year and that the hiring of Steos, like they're starting to, Ann Lauer is starting to bring his people in and kind of change the whole culture around the team. And the thing that I want to get into, and I have thoughts on this as well, and I want to hear yours first, is what Pierre Dorian's legacy in Ottawa is. Do you think, like, Josh, we can start with you. Like, do you, do you think that this was, like, obviously, you know, the circumstances in which he resigned were were dire. But if you had to give it overall, 
Like, what would you say his legacy is? Do you think it's positive, negative, a little bit in between? What would you say about Pierre Dorian's tenure in Ottawa in general? I think it'll depend if the team does anything with the current core, right? Like, if they don't really make... Like, yeah, okay, they'll, they'll, you know, I'd be shocked if they didn't make the playoffs at all over the next couple of years. But if they don't really make it far with this core that he put together, I'm pretty sure it'll be remembered quite negatively. But let's just say in three, four, five years, they've gone on a run or two. I think a lot of people have a positive outlook on Dorian just because he's the guy who got that core there and signed them to make sure that they could stay uh, with the team long-term. So, like, I, I would say his, his lasting impression on the team won't really be known until stuff kind of plays out, I feel like is how mm. I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, that's interesting. I think a lot of people have done, like, you know, have had, like, instant analysis reaction to this and they've deemed it yes or no. But that's an interesting take, like, to say that it's not yet... You can't deem it good or bad yet because we haven't really hit the true end of his mark, which I think is mm-hmm. a fair point. But I think, you know, there are things that he has done that are not, ref- like, that can't, that are, that can be judged without seeing how far the core goes. Like, the, the way that he's handled himself in the rebuild and moves that he has made and yeah. dr- drafts. Like, I think, like, one thing that I, I do really think is true is that no matter what you think about Pierre Dorian he really wanted the team to succeed like he would he was really trying like I know that might sound a bit stupid to say but like he he was like he, he was in it like he, he wasn't you know he really wanted he's giving his all and he wanted the best for the team I really believe that but I think that there were times and we'll never really know what the true impact of previous ownership had I'm sure that I mean there's got to be at least a little bit of an impact maybe even a significant one but it seemed like there were some moves where he couldn't really get out of his own way a little bit in terms of free agent signings and some questionable draft choices, which I think you could argue set the team back a little bit. But, you know, he hit on some unbelievable value contracts, what look like unbelievable value contracts right now with Stutzla, Sanderson, and Kachuk which cannot go unnoticed. Like, that's a really big deal. And no matter how the core ends up performing, I think you have to look at those three as overwhelming positives, like, just to get those three guys in Ottawa. Like, at the time that they were signed, that was a really big deal. Um, But what about you, Louis? Do you think that his pros, you know, kind of outweighed the cons, or is this a bit of a tainted uh, general managership of the Sens? Well, like, I do agree with Josh in the sense that a lot of this is dependent, but one thing that you can say right away is that his tenure was very entertaining both ways, right? Like, he, like, obviously, there's all the quotes and all all the content that came out of his tenure, but he was one of the highest activity GMs in terms of volume of trades and all of that, and headlines regarding the team again for better or for worse um under him um i i do think you're right like the thing is do have to give him credit for the stutzla the sanderson the kachuk contracts potentially if norris gets back up like we'll see where that ends up but the point is under him the team got to a point where signing guys long term and keeping them became normal again and that is and again how much of that can be attributed specifically to him is i don't know he's obviously played some role it depends how big um but that that is huge right that was absolutely massive for this franchise and that was something we were not seeing for a while um but yeah you're there were a lot of trades like i was on game over the other day with mod and shane malloy and we were dissecting a lot of his past moves and yeah there was a lot of stuff that you could have just said or seen from the start comment that just wasn't gonna work like let's be honest the matt murray thing the yep. whole Matt Murray adventure was not really it. Uh, trading for a third for Travis Hamannick and then re-signing him was definitely something. Acquiring Nikita Zaitsev, giving up value for Eric Goodbranson, uh, yeah. a bunch of different things like that. And even the higher, the bigger trades, like I think everybody in the sense line will look at the Chikrin contract and say, or the, not the Chikrin contract, sorry, but the Chikrin trade and say that was awesome. 
But if you look at, let's say, because we knew right away, and even now, we'd say it's good, right? We were excited yep. when it happened. We thought the value was good. And looking back, we still think so. The same can't really be said for the Carlson deal in the sense that I think a lot of his legacy comes from that trade, right? Because you get yeah. Norris, who extends long-term. You get Stutzlow, who extends long-term um, from that. But... At the time that it happened, the odds and the expected value from that trade were very, very, like, a lot lower than what it is at now. Like, we got, I think we got really lucky in that deal because that was likely just to be Josh Norris, who at the time was a middle six projected yep. center. Uh, Dylan DeMello, Chris Tierney, all of that. A second rounder, which ended up becoming uh, Mad Sogard. And probably what was going to be a late first round pick but ended up turning into Tim Stutzla. And that made, that turned it completely around. And I think the odds played a lot in our favor, and thank God for us as Sens fans and for people in the org. But I think, I don't want to say he kind of stumbled into greatness because who knows, maybe he foresaw like San Jose maybe overachieving or something like that. Yeah. But it was very, there was a good bit of luck at play there, and we very much outperformed the expected value from that trade, which I think would paint a much different picture of his tenure here if it, panned out differently which it likely would have yeah it's a it's a it's a fair point and I, i'm just like I've, I've got a couple things here that i've written down just like things that i can like notable things that i can remember from dorian's tenure that we haven't talked about yet like the the pajot trade got them ridley greg really yeah. like that was the pick that got the ridley greg like you have to look at that as a bit of a positive like getting a first for pressure like and it was a good deal like, it was like a first was second, second i think yeah, yeah. For, it was. I think like the third that. was like, conditional. It may, it may not have happened in the end. Yeah, but I, I mean, remember, you take that. But like, you take yeah. that for Peugeot. That's a good trade. I mean, I know that you know, very easy to be critical of him right now because he's been playing quite poorly. But getting Drake Batherson as a first, as a fourth round pick at the time, that's a really good, that's a good value draft pick in that round. And Drake Batherson has had good years for the Senators. Obviously, you can't attribute that all to Dorian. That's a pro. That's a scout move, almost certainly. Yeah. So I, I will say another thing for that um, is how much like do we attribute to to Dorian for his years before he became GM when he was kind of in charge of amateur scouting and versus yeah. now? Because one thing that I found yeah. interesting that we analyzed over the other day uh, on Game Over was the Sens drafting record with him like in charge of amateur scouting and as a scout and all that, the Sens were solid. They were one of the best teams at producing NHRs that played 200 plus games. But as soon as he got bumped up to GM, like you can trace it to the exact draft, his first draft as GM up until now, it's aside from literal top five picks, it's been a little rough. Like really yeah. Greg's looking great too, right? But looking at Logan Brown 11th overall in 2016, Lassie Thompson 19th overall, Jacob Bernard-Docker, obviously the jury's still out, and some of the other guys too, there's still a chance. Tyler Boucher. The thing is, the Sens, right now we have so many injuries, and the depth is obviously a little lacking maybe at forward, and it'd be nice to have an extra defenseman, but you had those picks to be able to fill that yeah. lineup there. Fair enough. You can't miss on all of those mid-to-high first-rounders because that's when you get a situation like this where you get just a couple injuries and you're screwed and you're out of depth. And that, I think, is a big part of, you know, if maybe he didn't get as much time to scout the draft because of his other GM duties. And he kind of wanted to put his fingerprints all over the draft by picking guys that maybe he had seen in the past and hadn't seen a lot yeah. of and ended up taking over. Cause that's another thing, right? Like the drafting has been, as you mentioned, more ups and downs than it had been consistently good beforehand. Yeah. I think drafting is, it's like you said, it's tough to evaluate because how much of a say does he have? in it ultimately but and when you do go the back drafting to the top, nature being so you know yes <laughs> highly yeah, volatile of course. but but going back to signings like it's, it's very like he had a lot of poor signings like i think there's more poor signings than good signings for pierre dorian i think that's probably fair but to the say. good ones were but, home runs but right? like he yeah. like he signed zub out of russia like that was a big that's now a huge deal that he signed so like imagine where the sends would be right now without Zub. That's death that's like Do you think he went scary. to Russia and scouted Zub though? That's the other thing, I mean, like so much of this comes down to like other people on the staff, right? And that, that also goes on the flip side. Like a lot of it comes down to him being held back by, you know, not having support because Malik didn't hire people. So like it goes both ways for sure, but 
I think a lot he's the stuff that we know. Yes, but the, I think the stuff that we know were his decisions. I would say tend more on the negative side. Like I know I said I think his legacy comes down to if the team you know ends up doing anything, but personally, as it stands, the Sens, given everything that has happened since they started the rebuild, would have been in a better position with a better like could have like most GMs would have them in a better position. I would say than they are right now. Do you agree or disagree? I think that's an inc- I think that is a, a very that's hard a question to answer. Very loaded question, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I don't know if I could give a definitive answer on that. Like given like same circumstance, like I was gonna say, are you talking about like obviously you can't expect of... you can't expect them to like hit on literally everything. But I think the thing obviously. to me is there are so many decisions that were bad when they were made. That is yeah, just that's like true. Yeah. Like I can like one that we haven't brought up because it's kind of minor, but like whatever. Like signing Michael Delzato for two years at two million, bad decision yeah. to start. Then buying him out, bad decision again. Right? You look at what's happening with the team right now. Signing Travis Hamanick to giving him an NMC. Who cares about the salary? Whatever. Giving a number six at best at defenseman best, a yeah. full <laughs> no move clause is just so mind-boggling. I don't even think Peter Shirelli does that if he comes in and he's an XGM. Like, that's the type of thing watch, that, like... I'd watch your words. I would watch <laughs> your no, words. No, no, I... And the monkey I, paw curls. No fears. <laughs> Cody but, CC, like, no move clause, 5 million, baby. <laughs> I just think there's so many decisions he made that, like, were just, like, the Hamannick trade to begin with, let alone the extension, right? And like Louis was saying, how he couldn't get out of his own way, a lot of it was, like, like compounding like the Del Zotto thing the signing and then the bio the Hamannick trade and then the signing yeah and a lot of it was doubling down on mistakes to try and prove that he was right instead of cutting losses right there was no sunk cost to him or sorry he fell victim to the sunk cost fallacy a lot essentially is what I'm trying to get exactly like and if he was still here I think he would still be doing that like we were talking about um, potentially still moving Joseph, for example, if they were trading Pinto. Obviously, this was before the suspension thing, but I don't know. I just there are so many things that were preventable to begin with, and they were. You know, it's not like oh, it didn't work out, so we have to find a scapegoat. It was like from the start, everyone knew this was a bad decision. Yeah, it's a fair. It's a fair criticism because there was a few instances a where you. you I mean, well, okay, <laughs> sure, but. I mean, yeah, like you can you can go down the the line of things like that were really strange for him, like trading up a spot to get Logan Brown was a little bit weird. Uh, that like that people kind of forget that that was a bit strange. Yeah, and, like, I mean, cliche. it's hard because he was injury prone, right? Like, it's not like you can like if he stayed healthy, there was upside there. He had sort of he was a guy with potential. I wouldn't put that. But in at the, the end of the day, it's another missed thing. Another yeah, missed yeah. Pick, but yeah. again, like I said. I don't think I can blame the GM for every single thing that. Yeah, goes a wrong. lot like for that specifically, a lot is development related, right? Like, yeah, I think the aspect of player development after them being picked is really, really underlooked when you look at draft analysis, because so much of it is like it could definitely have been a good pick, even if it was like maybe thought it was too high if the player was developed properly, right? Yeah, it's. It is. It's it's it is complicated to assess. There's so many moving parts. Like, like that's the thing. Yeah. Analyzing a GM's tenure is incredibly yeah. difficult. You can you guys can disagree with me here if you want. I would say the original hiring of DJ Smith was pretty perplexing as well. Josh, did I don't you know if he was in a position when that broke. Yes, when you were in math class. Yeah, we were in stats. Like, Louis and I were yeah. very upset. Like just you Our... know what I mean. Things that are still costing them five years down the line. When it was, you know, 16-year-old Louie and I knew that this was a bad decision. And here we are five years later still paying the consequences. Yeah. I, I feel like it's funny that you bring that one up, actually, because, I mean, we've talked about so many things before this DJ Smith thing. And you could argue that that's the biggest move he's made as GM, was hiring DJ. Like, that was, that's the move that has kind of had the biggest impact on the roster, if you want to say. Yeah, I remember when that happened... Not all, like obviously Josh and I, we saw that it happened and we were in stats class. We're like, oh man. And then our prof 
who is a Leafs fan, came in and saw, and because obviously he had had a lot of exposure to DJ and had him oversee the the Leafs blue line for so long, and he told us, "You guys can take the rest of the class off. You don't need to work on the project for wow. <laughs> the rest That's of brutal. the class." That's brutal. The other thing we haven't, I don't think we've even touched on yet, and it's because we're kind of going over his historical tenure, and this was so recent. He literally cost the team a first round pick. Yeah, by just gonna not, right like e- like even if he's a net even on everything else he's done he literally lost the team a first round pick and they have no prospects they need these picks so you got to add that as well like even though it was recent even though it could have been other guys partial fault as well he's still the gm like he's still the guy who is accountable for such things so, so i want to talk about this i want to talk about this a bit this first round pick so Pierre Dor- so okay, Pierre Dorian's essential last act before getting fired is essentially like the final nail in the coffin was that the Senators are now being suspended their first round pick in either 2024, 25, or 26 because when Evgeny Dadanov was trying, well, they were trying, the Vegas Golden Knights were trying to trade Dadanov to the Anaheim Ducks and thought that they had made a trade. And it turns out that the Anaheim Ducks were on. His no trade list, which Vegas was unaware even existed. And that goes back to when Dadanov was traded by Pierre Dorian to Vegas for Nick Holden. And I'm just like, I'm thinking to myself, how, like, we've never seen this before in the NHL, I don't think. How does this happen? Like, I mean it seriously. How does it actually happen? Like, you're making the trade call. Yeah. And you're putting it through with the league office. You're saying, player Dadanov is going to Team Vegas Golden Knights. And I don't know if it's the agent. I don't know if it's Pierre. I don't know if it's the other general manager's issue. But for for you to not include the information that is necessary for that trade to be completed is farcical. Like, that is really, really a terrible look optics wise and cannot happen when you're in that position. Now, what I will say, I think that penalty of a first round pick is too <laughs> harsh for yeah. a couple of reasons, but that doesn't excuse the fact that it's an inexcusable thing to get wrong as a manager. If that is in fact, you know, under what you're supposed to take care of there. Yeah, from my understanding, what essentially happened was that, like, if as a player or agent or combo or whatever, you don't submit the no trade clause before a certain deadline, then your no trade clause privileges are voided. So what Pierre essentially, from what I understand, informed Vegas is that he hadn't submitted his no trade cl- his no trade list, like his ten team no trade list, and thus he had no he didn't have a no trade clause. Evidently, he was wrong, and that had been submitted. Um, there are a couple things that, like, first of all, the NHL should have a central registry database yes. for this. Like, how do you not, yes. like, yes, I understand that some of this stuff is, like, sensitive or private. Like, you don't want to just host players' no-trade lists out in the public for any NHL GM to see. But that can easily be made accessible to whatever GM, like, has this player. First of all, this is a, this is a thing you should totally have. And, like, yeah. it, it is just a little wild to me that this is all happening, obviously, a year and a half after it happened. But not just that. A year and a half after the Senators had been told that there would be no more discipline or actions yeah. from the league towards them either. And yeah. the fact that Vegas was trying to get this trade done so they could circumvent the cap by getting Ryan Kessler's LTIR deal in order to yeah. let them to go over and trade for Jack Eichel, which still ended up happening, and they still ended up winning a cup, and Dadanov as a player ended up going to Dallas, which is still a great destination and a more contending one. I mean, it's it, 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 every, every part it of it is, is crazy. It's perplexing. Yeah. And, and also, I mean, I feel the worst for Michael Anlauer, to be honest. Like... This guy's the why spent, I inherited this, this is beyond spent, me is hilarious. That oh my god! Oh like first god. of all, first of all, that press conference, I I really enjoyed his press conference. Actually, yes. I I thought it was really fantastic. Yeah. I thought it was really refreshing to hear an owner speak like that. Like really, he's like you could feel he's really genuine and he really cares and like 
he's going to be good. Like, I am, I am not worried about the future of the Senators with him as the owner. But this guy just paid $1 billion American dollars to the league to buy this team. And three, what is it, like two months into his ownership, you're slapping this punishment on him that he was completely unaware of and had nothing to do with. I, I like from what I understand is when they were selling him the team, the conversation was yeah. there's this thing, but it's gonna be nothing. Like it'll be fine. Like you don't have to worry about that. December can be a fun but chaotic time of year, and it may be too early to start decorating for the holidays, but it's never too early to start your holiday shopping. Why not take care of it now, before the crowds and packed calendars make shopping a total nightmare? Especially when you can get some of the best deals of the season well before Black Friday. You can shop Raycon products right now and save up to 50% off because their early Black Friday sale is going on now. Raycon first made a name for themselves in the audio space with products like their everyday earbuds, known for delivering high quality and thoughtful features like 32 hour battery life and a perfect in-ear fit for all day wear and lasting comfort. And this past year, they expanded their entire business with the introduction of Raycon Home and Raycon PowerTech. Their faucet filter ultra filters the water in your tap against chlorine and heavy metals. It's a must have for ensuring the water you use to wash your face and brush your teeth is, you know, actually clean. To get everyone in the holiday shopping spirit a bit early, Raycon is currently offering 20% off everything on their site, with select products up to 50% off. Hurry now to buyraycon.com slash THPN to get 20 to 50% off site-wide. That's buyraycon.com slash THPN to score up to 50% off Raycon products. Buyraycon.com slash THPN. To be fair, like, I agree, but to be fair, the league literally did say that the matter was... I don't know if you're talking about um, the Melnicks or, like, the ownership group saying it was nothing or the league... Because, yeah, the league did say it was literally dealt with. Like, there was... Yeah. Elliot Friedman wrote an article and released it on Sportsnet, like, a, yeah. week, a couple weeks after it happened. So, I don't know if you're... If, if you're you were getting at sort of, like, oh, this is the Melnick Estate fault or this is the NHL fault. But, yeah, it's definitely... That was more on the NHL. I don't know what yeah. the Pinto one. I'm, you it know, totally that's a bit is. more of a gray area. But, yeah, like, the NHL 100% hid that on purpose, I would say. Well, that's what Ann yeah. Lauer insinuated, right? When he said that maybe they were just yeah. trying to get the highest price of center. And that's, that is so damn hypocritical of the league because that is. is negligence on their part to not disclose yeah. something. Literally. Like that, and first of all, when you do that in a sale, like that is literally fraud, but whatever. It's unethical, um, completely unethical. And I know Ann Lauer said that he's accepting the punishment, but that is grounds for like an appeal or some yeah. or something actionary to happen. And also, if you look back at like the Kovalchuk deal uh the kovalchuk situation that ended up happening where the devils were had to forfeit one of their first and it ended up getting rescinded to just be moved to 30th overall which at at that time was just last in the first round right right um they were able to make that appeal because it was new owners and all everybody in charge previously was gone and you could make the argument that that's the same case for the sends so i do see a path to at least getting the penalty diminished but from what ann lauer was saying i don't really see it happening for now anyway what were you gonna say josh sorry i didn't let you on. um i forgot that's we can pull honest that's with you. great so <laughs> i agree oh, I it think... was actually i remember okay go there on. we go <laughs> i was saying i don't think ann lauer's i agree with you that there is grounds for it but i don't think he's gonna sue or anything it yeah just, the last thing he needs is a month into owning a team the owner or the like yeah. everyone else in the nhl has it out for yeah. him like that's the last thing he has to do as a fresh owner. It's not like if this was just a regular business sale and the, you know, this was like an actual lawsuit type thing. Just uh, you know what I mean? Like a uh, you're suing mm-hmm. the seller, but in this case, the potential party that he'd be suing may be the NHL. And at that yeah, point, yeah. While obviously it would be illegal even further to you know discriminate against the team in any way for it. The last thing you need, obviously, is this cloud over Ann Lauer and the Sens by the league or just perceived cloud over them, like literally right as he buys the team. So I think he's just going to accept it and maybe like internally try and figure out. Um, and that was the other thing I was going to say is I think the devil's thing, I think it only got pushed back to the end of the first because had they just given the devil's pick back, which would have been very high, 
the other teams right behind them would have been very upset. So yeah. I think there's a situation now where like if this is a pick that, you know, if they change their mind in six months or something, but we're still well before the lottery, you know, the draft lottery, they might be able to actually just give the you know, reverse it or make it a later pick or a or maybe even a cash penalty. Who knows? But I think there's more flexibility because this could be all the way drawn out to all the way to twenty twenty six. So yeah, I like I heard I heard a couple of people are saying that the best strategy for the Sens is to keep punting this thing as far as you can and hope that the it depends. It's punted unless you right? make the conference finals. To me, that's what I. Yeah, think. yeah, you just accept. So it if you point. somehow make the conference finals this year or next year, you just get rid of it. It's twenty nine to thirty two. You just do it. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, we'll, also, yeah, like, we'll if see you get happens. if you get a a first rounder as early as you can, that means you probably as early as possible get a guy who can make an impact on your team on an ELC deal, which as we get closer and closer to being pushed up to the cap, yeah. the window being closer to being open, that would be more ideal, right? So both on ice and off ice, it's the, it's seemingly the right idea to just push it as far back as you can to forfeit that pick. We will, we will see. No shortage of news, because I want to talk about like the actual senators, but I think we need to talk about this Pinto thing briefly, because of course there's always more news. So... Shane Pinto, obviously unsigned. Uh, it had come out, I believe this was what, like October 27th or something, like October 26th. He was f- suspended 41 games from the start of the season, so half the season, by the NHL for, ga- like, it was, a, it was a gambling infraction. Now, I don't actually think I still know what the infraction was. I think that, the, the rule that I understand is that you cannot bet on anything that has to do with the NHL, which is seems totally fair. But Shane Pinto is allegedly using a third-party better to bet on the NHL, but he's not actually doing it's very I found it very confusing. And I I also found it a bit insane that this is tied for the biggest suspension in league history with Rafi Torres, who almost killed the guy in preseason, in pre-season about yeah. 41 games. So I don't know what it is. Like, I, I also think this penalty is a bit too strict, to be honest. The thing is, it kind of actually benefits the Senators in a way because he's lost all his leverage now, Shane Pinto. And they, you know, now it's like they've kind of got an excuse, like, oh, we can't sign him right now because. He's suspended. Like, you can't even fit. You, you weren't going to fit him under the cap anyway, and now you literally can't. And you can kind of punt that problem until January. Uh, but the fact... Fa- er, Jesus Christ. The, the fact of the matter back is... Back to the fatter. <laughs> yeah, back, back to the fatter is... Shane Pinto is suspended for 41 games and can't play for the sentence. And that sucks for him. I, don't, I, I also don't think... You know, when, when a player gets suspended he's kind of put in the spotlight in terms of his character, like, automatically. Like, you're like, oh, man, you got this, like, what a bad dude. I don't think Shane Pinto's character should be questioned due to this suspension. This guy is 20, and he made a Funny. stupid mistake on a gambling app. I There are way worse things you can do. I, I'm sure every, like, I'm sure he's still buddies with everybody. I don't think for a second that he's well, a bad dude. Bit. Like the org has, have been saying about how they're all behind Pinto and helping him yeah. and all that. Like, so there, there doesn't seem to be, and it seems like, from what I've heard, that Pinto is very happy with how the org, like both in terms of secrecy when it originally happened, which is like again, that's just on his side of things. He liked how the org handled it. So yeah, yeah. it doesn't seem to be any bridges to have been burned during that entire thing, right? And yeah, no. it is insanely confusing how the whole thing, <laughs> like but I what think, actually. I happened think like the, the org being behind him is really. I actually think it's really important in terms yeah. of player relations. Like, like he. This has been a. It's been a tough holdout here for Pinto. Like, it's not been like, you know, rainbows and butterflies. Like him not playing in the for the start of the year. Like that sucks. Um, but I think to have the total support of the org and the players in a time like this where it would be pretty easy for them to kind of just leave him out in the open is like is i think huge for long-term you know negotiations with him when it comes to finding a contract and coming back like i think he would be even considering to be more lenient towards a team-friendly deal after something like this which i think shouldn't be lost but i mean 
I don't know, man. Like, it, it, the, this, this freaking sends. Like, every time you think the most ridiculous thing has happened, they just, it, there's a, there is more ridiculous things. Now, what, what I will say is I think this is, like, we are at the end now of, you know, stuff carrying over from the past era in that vein. I think we're, no, there's no more of that anymore. Like, Ann Lauer is here and he means business and that's not going to be a thing. It's really annoying to have to deal with this still in a year where you need to make the playoffs and they still, I stand by, they still need to make the playoffs this year. We can talk about them. Absolutely. In, in a bit. Um, but yeah, it's just another log in the fire. <laughs> Shane Pinto, 41 games. It's outrageous. What do you think about it, Josh? No thoughts, comments. I don't know. It's, no thoughts, like, clearly, Wow. Clearly there's something. Like, they didn't just say, oh, whatever, we're bored. Here's this 41 gamer. Like there must yeah. be something, and and the idea of proxy betting is entirely against the law. Like, yeah, there is a case to be made that Pinto could have been tried in a more legal sense. So I think that might be part of the reason that he didn't really seem too upset or you know do anything about the suspension. Is if the betting app kind of just went to the league and was like, you know, you gotta you guys have to deal with this within your league instead of the betting app going to Pinto and saying you have broken a federal law. I think he may prefer yeah. that, right? Yeah. So, fair. Uh, I think that is kind of it. And like, like people have suggested, it's possible they kind of went a little heavier on the suspension because it's the first one um, of its kind in the NHL. Yeah, that's true. So, you know, it, it, you know, if someone else were to do something very similar in the future after a couple more suspensions, maybe that's only a quarter of a season or something like that. Yeah, you're but, setting the precedent essentially. Exactly. Yeah, they. You know, if, if they suspended Pinto five. 10 games for this nobody's really gonna stop it because odds are you might be able to get away with it and if you don't it's a five game suspension who cares but if you see oh my god it's half a season you're probably not gonna do that it's true it's 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 very true and uh, this whole thing has been just such a headache i bet for you know new ownership and and the fans like everybody in the org like how the how are how is this you know how is this happening again um but bottom line is you got to keep playing season doesn't stop for you and i think it's now we're able to now talk about the actual senators uh after we've gotten everything out of the way in the first whatever 35 minutes of this episode it the sends right now as we record this on november 6th are four and six which in my opinion is not good enough through 10 games and i get it i know they're missing three of their best defensemen and i know that there's all this stuff going on but like i'm sorry you can't like you need to win like boston was missing grizzlick and mcavoy and they haven't lost in regulation yet like well and they lost bergeron and crazy and, 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 Cre- and, like, and and like yeah like really, they got matthew Poitras be- now you know okay, <laughs> yeah, watch yeah. out coil is their first line center and they're yeah. literally on pace to lose like what seven regulation games eight regulation games it's, out, it's outrageous it's outrageous you already no have excuses. six <laughs> yeah like no no excuses yeah. the sends i'm sorry i'm i'm not buying that for a second the sends are four and six they are coming into a stretch now they're coming into november god that's frightening to say but they're coming into november and they only play nine games because of this europe trip and some weird four-day breaks for no reason like they don't play toronto they have like a four-day break until toronto they had a four-day break before they played la which i didn't really understand but anyways <laughs> they need to start stringing this together quickly i'm not like I, I don't think it's time to hit the panic button in the sense of like it's over because it's four and six. Like you can, you can salvage a season at four and six. It's not like the end of the world, but you did not get, you, you said you were going to get off to a good start and you didn't, you're four and six. So now you have to really get at it and string like a big win. You need a, you need a big winning streak. Really? Like you need to like really get some confidence, like get like, Oh man, I, I don't know. I, I feel like there's a lot of players that. If they lose to Toronto tomorrow, or Wednesday, yeah, the vibes bad, could not be further down well, in the dumps. Like, look, look like, at their, so their next three games. Toronto, 
they turn around immediately, come home, play Vancouver the next night, who are which red is hot. gonna be scary because well, you say red hot, but it, I don't know if you saw Jay Fresh posted um, goal differential above expected, and the Canucks are like, let me find their actual goal differential before I say the yeah. number. It's insane. <laughs> the Vancouver Canucks are third in the league with a plus twenty six goal differential. Okay, plus twenty six. And I don't know the exact number, and I'll go find it right now, but um, Jay Fresh's goal differential above expected, or goals above expected goal differential, has Vancouver at, like, plus 28. Like, they yeah. should be a 500 or below team, and instead they're third in the NHL. So I could 100% see them, you know, whatever. Let's just say they lose to Toronto Wednesday. They come home, they outplay Vancouver, they dominate them, and then they still lose, that would be the most apocalyptic outcome, I think. And well, it would kind I'll of be do fun you one better. I'll do you one better. <laughs> After they play Vancouver, they play the Calgary Flames before going to Europe, who are horrific this year. They are just staggeringly bad. Both teams in Alberta, but the Flames are really bad. I mean, they, they only have, have one going. less point than Ottawa. But that, yeah, yeah, exactly. That's how bad it's been. If you lose, and, and people in Calgary are like, it's the apocalypse over there. Like, they are freaking yeah. out. No, it is. If it's they lose bad. to Calgary before going to Sweden, that is, that's going to be rough, man. That's going to suck. And then you go Sweden, you have to play Detroit. That's a big game against Detroit. Then you play Minnesota, who you never beat because you're Ottawa. And they never beat Minnesota. So, like, you need a, it's time to turn the tides. And so... I'm interested to hear your thoughts on what Brady Kachuk said in his post-game interview after whoever they just played. I don't even remember. Tampa Bay. They lost 6-4. I... So... Uh, you go... Yeah, yeah, go on. You go. Someone, you, someone else. It's interesting because right as I joined the Discord for us to start recording, I just pulled up Twitter. It's like, has anything happened that I haven't seen today because I was at work? And Elliot Friedman posted his 32 thoughts today, right? I don't know if you guys have had a chance to listen to it. And I don't know if this is, I'm pretty sure this is more his look on it as opposed to like, oh, he has some inside info that says this would happen. But what he suggested is, as captain of the team, Brady knew that that wouldn't be taken well. And he kind of did it to put the outside negativity towards him while it was 100% on DJ Smith before. Right, like that's what Elliot Freeman basically was like. Yeah, Kachuk said something that he knew wouldn't go over well, so that the fan base wouldn't entirely be on DJ's case and would instead have something else negative to talk about. So, like, is that a hundred percent true? Who knows? It, it like that's just up to interpretation. But oh, I I mean, even if it is true, it was odd. I think it's kind of st- like, for lack of a better word, I think it's kind of stupid because now people are mad <laughs> at Brady and DJ. You yeah, but I, mean? like, I thought it, of it, and I don't. I think I agree with the fact that it took some of the heat off of DJ. I think a lot yeah, of that, po- a lot of the rest of that evening and the following day were about Brady Kachuk. When otherwise, it literally would have been DJ Smith as the most trending term in all of Canada if Brady just had regular post game comments. But but the only thing that is going to make people not talk about this is if they win a game, like. This is they can't keep having that that post game interview like that after every game. Like for him to play that card, then now Brady. Let's say you're right, and he's he's shielded from, from DJ, and he's he's done a captain move, and great. Now, and if you go out and now lose again, what now? What do you say? Like you've just you've just played that card. You can't say that again. Like I don't know. I think it's a bit of a mess. I I don't think. Look, I still I love Brady Kachuk, and I do think he loves the city. I think he loves the fans. I don't think any of that is in question. I did think that was a bit of an emotional reaction from him, which oh, I kind of I kind of like it in a way because it shows that he gives a crap. Like he really wants to do well. Like it shows passion for. And on the other side, it shows that the fans care too. Like it's, yeah, hundred like, percent. I don't. I think it's a healthy interaction, but I think it's yeah. one that is a bit cause for concern that we're already here, ten games into the season, four and six, and you're doing this. So. I just think, I think it is really, like, for once, like, no more excuses. Like, just win, win now when you need to. Like, it's been, it's been six years. We have, the fans have every right to be upset. To, you have every right to boo. If I was at that game, I, I would have booed. But, like, you need a win now. 
like let's get it going you're 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 running out of time a little bit and you're getting a little bit complacent like let's start winning zub is back at practice now he's probably gonna play against toronto so you can't even use the three defensemen out excuse so let's like i'm just i want to see them perform i'm quite tired of hearing a bunch of stuff from a bunch of people but i i mean the thing is you know, playing toronto is kind of funny because toronto is kind of in a different universe in shambles over there <laughs> because of what happened with you know Marshand and they have not been playing well the last couple of games they're getting off to their class and their signings start. aren't going well either their offseason sort well of either. all the living stuff huge chance to pounce on that team huge chance like you have no <clears throat> reason why you can't make a good effort they've lost four in a row Toronto yeah Wow, I didn't even know that. And they play That's tonight. They play Tampa tonight. And if they were to lose, that would obviously... I mean, five-game losing streak, yeah. But it's also Tampa who sort of... I know the Sens just lost to them, but they've also beat them themselves this season. Yeah, like, I'm, I'm not... a team that Toronto Tampa. should be... Oh, no, I don't think so either. And, like, look, again, like, in terms of individual losses, you, you can't expect the team to play at a 100-point pace with all the injuries they have, especially on D. But I, you also can't accept play, you know, winning every fifth game just because you have injuries. So I'm not, I'm not excusing the rough stretch, but in terms of within the game itself, like that was a big part of it. I think, like you know, if you go, if you put these teams up against each other when healthy, I don't think Tampa's a playoff team. But anyways, well, that's a whole other other topic. No, but it's yeah. funny that you talk, like just talking about Tampa, like that game, the Tampa Ottawa game. I think that is. I I can't find a better word for it, but like the quietest hat trick I've ever seen. Braden Point score a hat like Braden Point had a hat trick in that game, and I had no idea like when he scored the third his third goal. I had no idea that he had a hat trick. I was even like, the com- even Mike Luck was like, and that is a hat trick for Braden Point. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, yeah, his point really didn't even weird. like nobody on the Tampa team like acted like it was a hat trick. No, I knew but only because I have him in both my fantasy leagues. Unfortunately okay, yeah. for that you? night, all right. we're all really happy. And I mean, obviously, yeah. who would have thought Jonas Johansson has been like a top five goalie yeah. in the NHL? But yeah, seriously, anyways. that is crazy. The uh, the best yeah. part, Vasilevsky is going to come back and he's going to play worse than Jonas Johansson, but he's going to get yeah, all the totally. starts, and they're totally. going to go from a wild card spot to missing the playoffs because they stopped playing Jonas Johansson after all of this. <laughs> so. I have a question then. We I know this was kind of a question that I asked in the over-unders, but I'm going to modify it. They have seven games left in November. Okay, they're 0-2. They have seven games left. How many do they need to win for you to be caught, like, back like to being confident about the team? Out of seven. Five. To be honest, it's, yeah, I wouldn't say wins. I'd say point, like, a certain number of points. Okay, fine, points. Out of, out of four. Like, yeah, points. ten, nine or ten points. points. I think so. Four, yeah, like two, they, and one mm. or better. Yeah. Then there's still... like Luis had five wins, but if they went four, two, and one, I'd be pretty happy. Four, two, and then one gets be... you back to five hundred. Yeah, yeah. It's it back, back to five hundred. I think confident about. And the you team. have games at hand just... on everyone. Right, you're saying confident yeah. about the team. I'd say confident above about the team. Yeah, that's fair. That. Like to be confident, but yeah, because I'm also looking at the schedule. Like Toronto's not playing well, and then you play Vancouver and Calgary, who have poor underlyings. You play the Red Wings, it's in Sweden. I was going to say at home, but it's in Sweden. You know, you should be oh, winning yeah, those home. types of games. Yeah, it is technically a home game. Minnesota has Detroit, hasn't had a Detroit single good goalie. Off. Their goaltending has been terrible. Um, they, I mean, they just beat... Um, Boston, right? Boston. Yeah. But Before when you that. look at their underlines, a lot of it's kind of coming back down to earth. Yeah, so I'm just looking like at they their... score in their last five games. It's been one goal, one goal, and then four, and then zero, and then five against Boston. And I'll be honest, the four against New York was the most. It was the most ridiculous puck luck I've ever seen. But anyways, um, they've kind yeah. of come back down to earth a bit. I think it's just I say that in the sense of you're not facing a top five team where you're okay with you know a, an OT loss or, or a close game. Um, and then Islanders, not the best team. And then the Panthers, who haven't had an amazing start, they've been ish, okay, ish. So yeah, five and two, four, two and one. I think ultimately, it's still it, it's not just the amount of wins. It's like yeah, they have to be over five hundred, but 
if they if they win all five games by one goal and they get outshot in four of those five wins, I'm not going to be very confident in the team. But if they That's go fair. if they go four two and one, but they dominate and they just have a couple of bad bounces or something, then I'll be far more confident than an extra win. I yeah, I think I'm I'm honestly at the point now. But I'm not 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 quite at the point. But I don't want to get to the point where they're winning in an unsustainable way and I'm okay with it. I want to see them yeah. win like in a sure. Like like I want to see them like I want to see them be better like be be like really better than the team they're playing and like get a win for it. You know what I mean? Like that would go a long way I think for the fans and for the team. Like if you squeak if you go to Toronto and get outshot 50 to 23 and win 5-4 in a shootout if Samsonov plays, that's, that's possible. Gets, that's a it's, get yeah, sense it's moment. True. I'm all it's for gonna, it. It'll be hilarious. It'll be hilarious. <laughs> and for that night, everyone will be fired up. And then the next morning, you're going to look back on it and you're going to be like, man, that wasn't great, though. Like, they sucked. Now we got to play Vancouver today. That's I'm not I agree. about that. Yeah. I agree in a long-term type of vision. But at this point, I think any type of win will boost the morale and could just get the snowball rolling towards positive play. For now. But, like, yeah, I agree. If... If they're doing that in half of their wins, they're getting outplayed and getting lucky. Yeah, that's definitely a problem. Well, I mean, you got any uh, any final thoughts, Louis? I think we it's kind of just wait and see, right, with the sends. No, not really. Um, I think we kind of touched on everything somehow, <laughs> given yeah, the be. state amount of news that's happened since. Uh, no, I think we don't play until Toronto. Um, I guess the vibes are going to be like this until then, at least, eh? <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, well, that's the thing. That's the stupid freaking part about this schedule. There's so many breaks after losses. You just are so have depressed. You, have you looked at how insanely jam packed the schedule is in like late yeah. March and April? Back to backs everywhere, everywhere. Oh, terrible. And a lot of road be, games too. A lot of road games. Yeah, they yeah. played at home a bunch. Schedule makers are never too kind to Ottawa, which I'm. I'm not <laughs> using that as an excuse, but that although, is. Although, although. Well, I will say in this case, it's like already very small amount of games in November. Start at home. That way you can, you know, kind of get to, to try to get some momentum. Obviously, both of those have not worked out yet, but I'd say that's yeah. a pretty ideal well, schedule start. Initial schedule maker knew that DJ Smith was here. He said, get the like advantageous games out of the way when you know they're already going to lose. They should have given us a 15 game road trip against the top five teams in the league to start the year. You start five and five nine and one. You fire DJ Smith, then you have a cakewalk for the last sixty-seven games with a real coach. Man, that would be great. <laughs> well, we can only dare to dream. But until that Toronto game, oh boy, a lot of waiting and seeing. But hang in there, sense fans. Hopefully, the boys are going to string it together. But for now, I think we're going to leave you at that. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you so much for listening. I'm very glad to be back with the Zoobcast after my hiatus. Feels good to get an episode in. And uh, on that note, we will see you guys next time. Take care, everybody. Peace.